It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. And my name is Don Crawford, Jr., the grateful owner of KWAM Radio and co-host of this Estate Planning Essentials program, Estate Planning Strategies, Estate Planning Complications, name it as you will, ambitiously seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my very good friend, my attorney, who should be your attorney, our estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hi, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thank you. I'd like to say, but I'll have to self-correct, that I was sitting with you, but I'm not. We're on the telephone again two years later after COVID struck, but it looks like it's abating. It's coming to an end, whether you go to the airports, you go to Chick-fil-A, wherever you go, few and fewer are wearing masks. Uh, there are less cases, less hospitalizations, less deaths. So I think, well, there's always hope, but I think this thing is coming to an end. What do you think? I think so, and I look forward to going to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday. No, I'm just yeah, exactly. no I don't know if you can. I don't think they're going to open up for you, even if you try to break the window. No. And it didn't even have to do with wearing a mask or not. How do you like that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like it a lot because the mask thing is getting old. I've sat on airplanes a lot the last month or two, and boy, it's tough. Even though they are relaxing the rules, the flight attendants are, the airlines seem to be quietly doing the same thing. And I think April 18th, is the new um, date scheduled for when uh, everything's going to finally come to an end and there won't be all these Department of Transportation regulations. So let's hope so. Let's continue to pray, and we'll see what happens. For today, Michael, we've got two topics you want to talk about um, and provide your expertise on, and we'll spend about 10 or 12 minutes on the first, talk about the workshop coming up on April the 9th at 10 o'clock, which is a Saturday. In the second half of the program, we're going to address that new thing, kind of new, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. But first, Michael, let's talk about nursing home issues that people fail to recognize. Yeah, a lot of people, uh, this is a pretty common thing. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, most people do not have long-term care insurance or, in, or have inadequate income or certainly assets to pay for the cost of care, uh, either in a nursing home or sometimes at home. Uh, paying caregivers because it's very expensive. The average nursing home, the average nursing home, and we're not talking about the highest paid place uh, places that are uh, facilities, is seven thousand over seven thousand dollars a month. And so most people don't have seven thousand dollars a month of income to pay for the cost of care, and most people don't have long-term care insurance, which pays for uh, care. Uh, now, most people also do not realize that Medicare has very limited coverage. And so that means that people have to try to get eligible for either Medicaid or sometimes veterans benefits to help pay uh, for the cost of care. But to do that, 
you have to follow the rules of the government uh, to get eligibility. Mm-hmm. So there's different rules for veterans who served in wartime than there are for those who are seeking long-term care Medicaid. Uh, so if you get eligible for Medicaid, uh, then the government will help subsidize the difference between uh, the income and the cost of care. Okay. And if the rules are different if you're single versus if you're married. There's going to be a lot of information here, uh, but just realize that there are things that people can do, and it just depends on their factual situation. Okay. All right. So, um, first of all, it should be noted that there are lots of Medicaid programs, 109 in Texas, each with their own rules. We're, I don't think in the next 10 minutes or so that we're going to have a chance to go through 109 rules, mm-hmm. uh, programs, that is. But we will go over a couple, just a little bit over a couple of programs. There's one Medicaid program that uh, pays for long-term care nursing homes, usually not assisted living or uh, memory care facilities, uh, but nursing homes is where predominantly uh, long-term care Medicaid pays. There are a few uh, places that accept uh, Medicaid that are assisted living or memory care, but there are uh, only a few, uh, whereas in nursing homes, the great majority of the facilities do accept long-term care Medicaid. But to get eligibility, the, they have these rules, and it's particularly onerous on those who are single because you have to be below $2,000 of what's called countable resources. Now, there are certain things that count and certain things that do not count. Mm-hmm. For example, a homestead, if you're single, if the equity value is less than $636,000, the home doesn't count as an asset. If you're married, by the way, there's no limit to the value of the home. Uh, one car, regardless of value, also doesn't count for that $2,000 asset limit if you're single. By the way, if you're married, well, it depends upon what your income is, but if you're married, if your income is greater than uh, $3,435 a month between the couple, then the most of the countable resources that you keep is around $137,400. However, if your income of the couple, when I say income, it's going to be like Social Security and pension, not interest in dividends, that if the income of the married couple is less than that, then there's a formula where you could keep a lot more assets. So let's say you had a married couple that only had income between Social Security and pension uh, and maybe IRA uh, distributions uh, of $2,500 a month, that's 900 and some odd dollars less the allowable limit, then they look at CD rates and they say how much money at CDs at your bank that you're presently banking at, at that interest rate, how much more money do you need than the 137400 to generate that $900 a month of income? Hmm. So it's possible that somebody could have hundreds of thousands of dollars if they're a married couple and get eligibility for Medicaid. So the lower their income is, the more that could be protected for the government to help pay for care costs. Okay. So it's kind of funny some, sometimes a little trick of the trade, as they say, I know this sounds kind of strange, is you go to a bank with the worst interest rates because you, you say, call the bank and say, okay, I'm open up. Because if it's a lower interest rate, uh, then that means that there's more assets that are needed to generate the revenue on that spread. So thank you, Chase, 
Wells Fargo and Bank of America, the one the banks, so or so to speak, with the worst interest rate. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, so there could be the situation where uh, you're. Uh, if there's a married couple and one lives in the what's called the community, uh, as in, under Medicaid terms, it's the community spouse, that if there's one that lives in the community, not in the nursing home, then you could often keep a lot more assets. But if you're single or if both of them have to be in a nursing home, then if you're single, you have to get down to 2000 And if you're married, you have to get down to 3000 if they're both applying. Well, that's like nothing. Uh, so... How, what are the other things that do not count that are typical um, besides a homestead, uh, one car? So if you had a home, by the way, so if you had a mortgage on the home, well, you pay the debt, like pay off the mortgage, and so that reduces the assets if you're single. Or, uh, or you make home improvements, for example. Uh, one car doesn't count also, uh, so it doesn't matter. And of course, now the values of cars have gone up so much because nobody can get the can't get even a new car, it seems like, these days, or even a used car is very expensive mm-hmm. because everything up by the supply chain. They can't get chips. Um, so we hope that you don't have to buy a car right now at the all-time highs, it seems like. Average car probably costs now about four, close to $40,000, I imagine. Wow. Uh, yeah, because because you can't get them. You know, it's supply and demand. And... Um, for a new car, of course, used cars have gone up too. Um, so one car doesn't count as an asset. By the way, there is Medicaid what's called a state recovery where they could go after homes or cars after death. That's why we've talked about on many of our shows about ladybird deeds to protect the home from Medicaid estate recovery after death. Uh, and with the car, you'd have a beneficiary designation So because they go after things that go by your will. Right. All right. Home, a car, a pre-need funeral. Um, uh, you can actually own burial spaces for each of your children, or one one generation up, down, and sideways. Does it count as an asset? Um, also, um, personal property items or everyday living type things. Does it count? An IRA generally doesn't count if you're making required minimum distributions. So that would be different for a Roth, where there are no required minimum distributions, or if you're under 72 and you're not making required minimum distributions, then it would count unless you put it in some sort of annuity. Oh, my goodness, there's lots of different things you have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, there are different, if you have a business essential for self-support, let's say you have a family farm and more than 50% of your income is dependent on the, um, on the farm, that also doesn't count as a resource. Uh, so there are some things that do not count as a resource. So what a lot of times people do is they... Uh, they change the nature of the countable resources like money in the bank, CDs, checking account, money markets, those type of things, or investment accounts, into something that doesn't count. But sometimes you say, gee, I don't want to change things into non-cash type assets. There is a certain type of annuity that also doesn't count. Uh, so, which is used often when the income of the couple was greater than that three thousand four hundred thirty-five dollars a month of total income, by buying in the name of the community spouse, the well spouse, a certain type of annuity that is compliant with the Medicaid rules. Uh, I don't really think I have the time to explain that in great detail. Just realize that if the income is too great, 
then we could have it where the well spouse has a lot more income, but it's going to be, instead of having cash, they'll have it in the form of an annuity because the annuity is an income stream and not something you could cash in. All right. So there is a certain type of Medicaid-compliant annuity. You can also do this sometimes as a gifting strategy uh, for a single person. Uh, so in other words, if the person had, I was just meeting with a client this morning, uh, and the they had like $100,000, and we said, okay, how are we going to get down to less than $2,000, in this case, before May the 1st? And the reason for that is that the um, they had some Medicare coverage. They'd been in a hospital, and we wanted to get below. The Medicare coverage is going to expire at the end of April, so we have to get below 2000 because they were single uh, before May the 1st. Uh, so we might do a strategy where you buy the annuity. It pays the difference between their income and the cost of care and make a transfer that where, where the annuity would expire at the exact same time as the transfer penalty. Obviously, this gets kind of complicated. I don't expect every, or, or the listeners to understand all these different rules. Uh, Medicaid has a five-year look-back period so that if you make a gift, then they think you did it on purpose to get eligible for Medicaid. But sometimes we purposely make a gift as part of the uh, thought process of saving more money if that's what the goal of the client is. Now, you may not want uh, Medicaid. In fact, I told the person this morning uh, that, um, look, you may not even want Medicaid because I don't even know how long mom's life expectancy is. And if we don't think that there's a long life expectancy, uh, just use her funds for her care. And that's okay. But, you know, so the goal, is, a lot of times it depends on what the goals are of the family to determine, uh, you know, whether they want to try to save assets or not. And by the way, if they're planning in advance, uh, one of the things we talked about, I think, in February uh, on one of our shows was a protection-type trust uh, to save the assets if that person was going to plan for, you know, they didn't have long-term care insurance and they didn't have adequate income and they had, let's say, uh, some land or some real estate that they wanted to protect for the family uh, or if there's other cash assets. So a lot of times people, uh, subject to the five-year look-back period, uh, may put assets in trust and after this five-year look-back period has expired, then it will not count as an asset for Medicaid. So then you wouldn't have to spend it down. So you still have, for the people who plan in advance, they often um, have a put assets into a certain type of trust to protect those assets for the benefit of all. Uh, I say benefit of all, I guess it's not the benefit of the government, uh, but for the benefit of protecting their assets for themselves and their family uh, as opposed to private paying. Now, these are just strategies that are permitted by the government under the government's rules. It's just no different than tax planning. Uh, so taxes, they say you could do this or that, and you could not have to pay the tax. So it's, it's, it's you know, some people have, I guess we call 9-11 Medicaid planning, uh, and other people may protect uh, further in advance. So the situation varies and the strategies vary uh, if they want to plan to protect from the cost of nursing home care, or sometimes for there is that program at home where they give you, let's say, 35 or 40 hours a week plus medication 
Uh, so the strategies vary because the rules vary on each of these different Medicaid programs. It gets kind of complicated, and so that's why, uh, you know, I could probably talk for hours on the Medicaid subject, but uh, maybe if perhaps uh, if you want to know more about that, then you might turn, attend our next workshop. Exactly, and that's the perfect transition. We talked before the program about how complicated this is and that you could spend hours on the topic during the program, but, of course, we don't have hours. All the more reason why people should attend the next State Planning Essentials Workshop on April the 9th at 10 o'clock, which is a Saturday, to get these questions answered because Michael has basically said he's only scratched the surface. There's so much more to know and so many more options for people out there. And he's an expert on this. He studies this. He knows it. He doesn't read anything. He's never read anything during this program I have ever seen or known. He just knows it so well, and he's very current because things change so quickly, whether it's your individual relationships, uh, government laws and legislation, et cetera, or even anticipating what uh, new legislation is going to come down from Congress or the president himself, so or even judges. So whatever the reasons are, come to his next workshop so you can basically um, get the information that you need to verify from Michael. Uh, you may already have ideas or what you believe are answers, but let Michael verify it for you and to attend the workshop so that whatever assumptions you have made, um, you can go there and either you or Michael can challenge those. That's the goal of this program, what Michael does for a living, and what you must do to make sure that you maintain the income that you need, whether it be via Medicaid or other, and um, you protect your assets. And the way to do that is to attend his next online workshop, so it's via Zoom. It's not in person. It's online. It's Saturday, April the 9th at 10 o'clock, and it's very easy to sign up and very easy to attend from the comforts of your own home. Michael, can you elaborate on that a little bit more for us? Yeah, basically, and if you've never done Zoom, uh, then we'll even teach you how to do it. So it's really just a click. The workshop is free. Uh, it's two hours. It's whatever we ask you about Whatever you want to know about estate planning or Medicaid or VA benefits, we didn't have a chance to even go into the VA today. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that uh, we ask you what you want to know, and every workshop is different because we never know what the questions are that people are going to ask. It's free, uh, and all you have to do is click, and it's easy. You could do it from your own phone. You could be at home. It doesn't really matter. Get on your, if you have a laptop at home or a computer. And just click on it, and you're just a part of the uh, – you get to see me. Uh, I don't know if you want to see me, but <laughs> you get to see uh, what we have to say at least or hear what we have to say. We usually do a presentation, but then we just ask people what they want to know. We have a presentation about general estate planning uh, as well as about a little bit about Medicaid, some of the things we went over here today. Uh, but we'll see what people's questions are, and we answer those questions in those two hours. And those people who go to the free estate planning essentials workshop by calling 214-720-0102, that's 214-720-0102, are signing up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Uh, you'll get a free one-hour, what we call, vision meeting, in addition to the two-hour uh, workshop where you could ask whatever questions you want. So that's three free hours 
of legal education without any obligation. We just want to answer your questions, and if we like to help you further, great. And if not, that's fine. Go on your own merry way. We'll be friends. So that's uh, uh, the next state planning workshop, as you said, is on April 9th, uh, which is a Saturday at 10 o'clock. And just do that by calling that 214-720-0102 number or signing up at DallasElderLawyer.com. Go to DallasElderLawyer.com for his newsletter as well as his podcast. If you missed any part of this program or you want to share it with other people, um, he's moving into YouTube eventually, which is promising. So you'll get to see us in action. Uh, Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But so much is video and visual these days that Michael realizes that. We know it. And therefore, we're making that transition also for whatever purposes you may have, whatever needs or desires you may have, too. It was more than just uh, audio via this program. Michael, about five minutes left. You want to address cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and how those fit into estate planning. Yeah, we're seeing more people getting cryptocurrency nowadays. And there's all sorts of different types of cryptocurrencies. There's all these different uh, programs. I don't know if you call programs. It's maybe not the proper word. But Bitcoins um, are one of those things. There's different types that uh, people have. Uh, it gets a little bit complicated, and that's what makes it uh, – it's not run by the government. In other words, it's not you know like uh, you have something that is uh, – it's decentralized. And so as a result, they have these things where you have to have your own basically private key, and there's a thing called blockchain. And so the problem is, is that people um, – uh, it's so private that you have to be – how do you pass that on – to whomever your heirs may be, well, you're going to have to have somebody that knows about this. And so sometimes you may have to have instructions because if you lose that quote-unquote key, you may lose all your money. And so it's so private. And so people have different ways of storing it. Sometimes people have digital executors just dealing with the digital assets. Uh, Sometimes we put things in a trust, but sometimes it's difficult to put it into a trust. It depends on uh, what type of cryptocurrency you might have. So there's different ways of storing. Uh, There's what they call cold wallets and hot wallets. Uh, In other words, uh, a cold wallet is like when – you have offline devices, storage devices like a USB drive or a computer or a phone or a tablet that's not connected to the Internet. And hot, wa- uh, hot wallets, as they call them, are more online or desktop apps, way to store your keys and passwords to access the cryptocurrency. And so sometimes we have these uh, – in your, if you had a will, sometimes we have a digital executor, and if you have a trust, a lot of times uh, people have uh, somebody that kind of knows how to deal with cryptocurrency, uh, just because most people don't know how. And now it's getting to be more about, I think, about 10% of Americans have started getting into some sort of cryptocurrency. So we're seeing more of that now. Uh, probably because the value has gone up so much a lot of times, uh, it's appreciated. It's treated just for tax purposes, just like any other, let's say, a stock or that's appreciated or, or whatever. Uh, you know, it's part of your estate for estate tax purposes. You may have to keep records of what the value was because, again, if you gave it away, just like if you give away any asset, the donee, the one who receives the gift, 
is the basis of the donor. Uh, so that means there'll be capital gains tax on the appreciation. Uh, the uh, or if it's part of your state, well, most people don't have a taxable state. But if you if there's a step up in basis if you keep the asset until you pass. Well, the bottom line is you need to sometimes have even a, a another document, uh, maybe some instructions of how to get access because it's private. There was a case. Uh, 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 I guess it's been a couple of years ago where somebody lost their, uh, you know, or maybe they had some dementia and they had lost their uh, private key, uh, so to speak, their password, and he had two hundred and twenty million dollars worth of bitcoins that became inaccessible. Well, that made a lot of people shy away, but a lot of people see the get-rich-quick type thoughts and invested in Bitcoins or other forms of cryptocurrency, and that has uh, uh, created a lot of – and you're seeing all these ads. I don't know. Remember the Super Bowl? There was all these different promotions for uh, cryptocurrency. So you're seeing it becoming more mainstream, and so therefore you should plan uh, for that. Now, again, you probably uh, may – if you could, a lot of times it's better to have it in the form of a living trust uh, just because uh, if you can put the asset into the trust uh, so that you could avoid probate and have privacy. Uh, but, you know, of course, everybody's situation is different. and Sometimes you can't do it. Sometimes it's difficult to deal with the cryptocurrency company uh, to, to, to do that. So it really takes a little bit more planning uh, to when you deal with the new today's new culture uh, of dealing with cryptocurrency, but it's something that should be addressed not only in your will or trust, but even in your power of attorney. You talk about digital assets. Uh, So it's just part of the planning and what we see that's becoming more and more a part of our everyday society. And you know what? It's not going away, as you just implied. You said the same thing about Facebook 17 years ago when that came out in 2004, and you thought, well, um, you know, this is probably a fad. Well, not really now with uh, 9 billion followers or users. Uh, that's a lot of people, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. And I believe, although I don't invest really in anything other than homes and radio stations, um, cryptocurrency is deemed somewhat of an investment, deemed a way to spend money, um, a way to earn money, and it's just a new currency as it implies, and that, too, is just going to become a fact of life. So I'm glad you're addressing that today and how it may fit into people's estate planning. If you have questions about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, or other nursing home issues, Medicaid, Medicare, or just general estate planning questions, anything, Michael's not a financial planner. I remind you, he doesn't even play one on the radio. He doesn't pretend to be one. Michael is an estate planner. But he does dabble in some of that and can help direct you, at least, um, and send you in the right direction if you need help in those areas. And that's the point of these free estate planning essentials workshops, which are online via Zoom. The next one is April the 9th. That is a Saturday at 10 o'clock. And the best way to sign up for that next free workshop, which you can attend from the comforts of your own home, is to dial 214 720 Zero one zero two two one four seven two zero zero one zero two for Michael Cohen C O H E N his next estate planning essentials workshop or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, dot com Dallas Elder 
www.dallaselderlawyer.com. Our Dallas elder lawyer, Michael Cohen, we thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you, Don. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.